When I think of the, the Christmas story, I like to, as a pastor, I try to figure out which of all the personages can I relate to most. So, you know, I think, well, of course, the wise men, right? And we all took a vote. Yeah, Mark, you look like the wise men, right? That makes sense to me. Until I look at my grades, or some of the times when I have no wisdom whatsoever, um, and I think, nah, nah, the wise guys is probably not the best relationship with me. Maybe the angels. And I don't talk to my family. They'll tell you, no, no, the angels aren't it. That's not going to work. Okay, okay, well, um, Joseph, I kind of like Joseph. But his faith is pretty intense, and I, I wish I had that much. I don't think I've got that much. But when I think of the shepherds, um, I can relate a little bit with the shepherds. The shepherds were really misfits and outcasts, and reality is, uh, if I'm honest, most of my life I have felt like that, kind of on the outside, and uh, either I'm not letting folks see inside, so it may not be anyone's fault, but uh, no one really understands, nobody really knows, I'm just kind of uh, outside of the common, of the real. So I think maybe, the, now the first century shepherds, interesting folk though, first century shepherds, these guys had all the toughness of the Marines and all of the, the etiquette of the Hell's Angels and all of the reputation of the Mafia. These guys were rough folk. These guys were a group of vagrants and hobos and vagabonds. What they were charged with was watching the flocks. Now we might think, well, that's not a big deal. But they didn't have a lot of banks back then. When you put your money someplace, you usually put it into four-footed beasts in the field. And these guys had to watch it. These guys were tough folk. Now their problem was this. They lived in a culture where their religion was everything. I mean, their, their religion, all their social networks were attached to the religion. And their, their commerce was attached to their religion. And their, of course, their spirituality was attached to the religion. And this religion had some rules. And you could not be a part of the religion if you were what they called unclean. Now, this religion did not didn't like death. Death was taboo. And so if you touched death, you got near death, you were considered unclean. And you think about shepherds. They're hanging with diseased, dying, dead animals. They're filth. They were considered unclean. The religious establishment had announced to them anathema. They couldn't participate. Which meant... Socially, you couldn't hang out with a shepherd because their uncleanness might wear off on you. The shepherds were banned from the church. They couldn't go to the temple, which was the only place you could find forgiveness, where you could be connected with God. Shepherds were not allowed to be connected with God. So I'm not so sure that the shepherds hated God. As much as they probably had some questions, maybe some questions like we have. Questions like, God, if you're real then how come the people who claim to follow you give me the most grief? If you're real, God, then how come the folk who, who claim to know you are people who really exhibit an awful lot of hypocrisy? If you're real, God, then how come I'm a shepherd? You know, how come I'm the bottom of the totem pole? And how come there's stuff inside me that, for whatever reason, I can't connect with you? That doesn't make any sense. And so it amazes me that the very first group of people that God chose to... He could, God could have came to anybody that first Christmas. And the very first group that he decided to come to were the shepherds. And we, we read about it in Luke, like they did in the, the, the video, in Luke chapter 2. And it says there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, I can imagine. What you might not realize is angels were not a dime a dozen in Bible times. Everybody didn't, didn't hang out with them and know them by name. This, was, this would freak us out, just like it would freak them out. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. They said that this was good news of great joy. Now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I mean, we live in 21st century America. You know, Mr. Harris, if I got a deal for you, this is your lucky day. You know, it's like, oh, for crying out loud. We know that this is at best, a, a, maybe it used to be a clever marketing technique. Not so clever anymore. But we're incredibly skeptical. Anyone shows up and tells us they got a great idea for us and what a deal. It's like, oh, please. But these guys, these angels had this news for the shepherds that was of great joy. Uh, now, I have a, a friend. I'm going to call him, call him Jack. He's in a different town. But he has had some major health issues in life. And at one point he had a, a kidney transplant. And then when, when uh, one point when I was, we were... Uh, Together, I know his kidneys started dying off and all the numbers kept uh, demonstrating that his kidney was dying. And he had a real rare blood deal. And so finding a donor was pretty difficult. Well, he had some kids at home between work and dialysis all the time. And his body not working with dialysis very well. His future was dark. And they kept looking for this donor and they kept not finding one. So his future was getting darker and darker and darker. Until one day, I remember his brother stepped in and said, how about me? When they checked him out and he was a perfect match. And, and I remember when, when Jack got his 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 kidney and suddenly he wasn't tied to the dialysis anymore and suddenly he had his life back and he had his life can you i mean how do you think you would respond if you were just looking at darkness and suddenly that came up probably not well hip hip hooray oh good i always wanted one of those you know it, it no there would be such a, a depth of relief of, of humbleness, tears. I, I think that's what this means, this depth of joy. It's not a superficial, yay, 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 yay. It's good news. And the angel was showing him good news of how to be connected with God. Well, well, what is good news not? Well, good news wouldn't be, hey, listen, you shepherds, you better clean up your act, man. This is good news for you. If you quit doing both those things and you stop doing that, you leave her alone and you, you cut that out, you give that back and you, stop, you, you clean up your act. And you start going to church and you start giving more money to the poor and reading more Bible stuff. Well, then God's going to like you. Well, the angels, uh, the shepherds, what would they say? They would say, first of all, angels, this is not news. This, is part, this has been the party line that had been handed to us for years. And number two, you need to know that this is not good news because this list is a mile long. Mother Teresa couldn't keep this list and it's always changing. And besides that, I'm a shepherd. I can't go to church. It doesn't work for me. Now, that wouldn't be good news, right? How you connect with God is you just do better. That's how we interpret it. That's, that's, not, that's not good news. So this, is, this good news is for all people. This good news is for me. It's for you. And then... Then they said that to you is born a Savior. A Savior. 
know if you've ever gotten any gifts that have just not worked out well. Or gifts you need to pretend that you're happy. Probably we'll get some of these this year. Well, we've got to pretend that we're happy about, oh, I've always wanted one of these. But they're just a pretty useless thing. And even if it's good at first, it's going to break. It's going to fall apart. It's going to become obsolete. But when God gives a gift, this idea of a Savior, what in the world does that mean? Well, one day this babe would grow up. And he would die on a Roman cross where all those things that separated those shepherds from God, those things that kept them out of being connected with God, this babe would die for. Now, this is, this is huge because this is good news because our sin, our uncleanness, our failures and limitations and losingness, uh, we don't have to, to deny it anymore. We don't have to excuse it anymore. Well, it's just who I am. Well, nobody's perfect. It's just the way life is. We don't have to try to, to negotiate with God. Well, let me just see if I can pay for it, God, and do enough good things to cover it over. Because you can't. But the gift of a Savior means it's gone. It's all gone. Your relation, even if you're a shepherd, even if you're a shepherdy type, your relationship with God can be restored. What an amazing, amazing thing. You know, when I was eight, uh, I opened that package. See, God gave that gift for all people. So for you, he gave you that gift. 2,000 years ago, it's got your name on it. It's for you today. When I was eight, I opened it up. When my dad was 29, he opened it up. My daughter was 15, 16, I think, when she opened it up. There was a gal, uh, a friend of mine, 60-something, when she opened it up. And so my question is for you tonight. Have you ever come to a place where you understood that Christmas is not about all the, the trappings, but it's about the gift that God has given to you? To you, not to generally, but to you, a Savior. And have you ever opened that up? You've ever embraced that personally? That's one you don't want to leave under the tree. That's one you don't want to leave alone. You want to embrace that personally, and you can. Even this night, that's the glory of Christmas. It's nothing we have to earn. When the angel came and said, I've got good news for you, of great joy, for you, for me, for you. In the city of David, a Savior has been born for you. A savior for me. You might not know when you have a uh, terrible disease, but wouldn't it be awful if your doctor knew on the front end and he could have fixed it, but he never said anything to you until it became too late? We might not really even know we need a savior, but God knows. He doesn't give frivolous gifts. The most important thing we need, He gave. Let me ask you tonight. Have you embraced that? Have you claimed that gift as your own? You certainly can. You take a moment and pray with me. Lord, thank you for giving me that, that gift, Lord, when I was just an eight-year-old kid not thinking much about anything. You broke through. You showed me that I needed a Savior. And you provided that. Thank you, God, that you've given yourself for us. That Christmas is about your giving to us the perfect, 
perfect gift, that we can be reunited with you, Lord, that all of our sin can be, be gone, all the guilt, all of the, the baggage that goes with it, we need not worry it through, we need not deny, we need not try to negotiate with you and worry about how we're going to pay it off. You take it away with the Savior. Thank you. God, thank you for that which you've given to us. The light of the world, which is the light of life. Thanks for letting me born in us in the name of your Son. Amen. Will you take your candle now? And let me just re- remind you of something that... Uh, I've learned this the hard way. When, when, you're, when your camel do, doesn't have a flame on it, you can turn it over to the person next to you who will have a flame and light it. But if your candle has a flame on it, just leave it vertical, okay? Don't try to, to, to light the person's next to you. Let them worry about lighting their own. Um, that would be good. When, when God created the world way back when he said let there be light and there was light I believe there was also not just physical light but there was a spiritual light because Adam and Eve and God had a perfect relationship with each other and they enjoyed the light of life but then mankind decided to go their own way and when they did that light was extinguished and the world lived in darkness For quite some time. No peace. No joy outside of circumstances. They lived in darkness. And they waited because they knew there was a promise that there would be light one day. God would send the light. So they waited and waited and waited. And as they did, the darkness grew deeper and thicker. But then one day, a couple... Mary and Joseph were invited by Caesar Augustus to Bethlehem. And while they were there, the light of the world was born in an unnamed stable. And some shepherds came. Some of the ushers were going to come now. They came and they saw the light. They'd been living in darkness. They saw it initially. Their hearts were ignited. And the scripture says that these shepherds made haste and they went and they told everyone else about this light. And as they took the light out, other people were amazed at what they heard, which means that the light ignited in them. Not everybody, certainly, but some. Because they came and they bowed before Jesus, recognizing him as the light of the world. These pagan astrologers then took the light back into Persia. As Jesus grew, of course, not everyone liked the light. And some tried to to douse it, some tried to extinguish it. Jesus had 12 special friends, apostles, who burned brightly. And they 
was their job to take the light throughout the Middle East, and they did. There were 70 people as the light spread, and they took the light. Jesus. Yes. 